Well, good Thursday evening, and welcome to a new edition of Rams All Access with DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long. The final quarter of the season has arrived. Four games to the finish line. Three of them will be played at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum and a short week in Seattle. Welcome, D. How are you doing today? How many weeks have we been sitting on four wins? How many All Access shows have we been sitting on four wins? Too many. Too many. Okay, let's let's change that this Sunday. How about that? Yeah, only yeah. The, uh, the Jets' victory on the road in there since the 3-1 and one start. Uh, it's disappointing in the turn wow. that's been taken, but yeah. what's left to play for? What do you have your eye on here in the final four games? You know, just improvement offensively. Um, when you're looking for more production out of your offense or just more punch out of your offense, your, your thoughts probably go to Jared Goff. I know mine do. So um, you have to separate the game from the record and just look at his development. So I'm looking for him to get better. It was tough in New England. I thought he played well in New Orleans, uh, better than his first start. So I'm looking for improvement there out of him. That's that's the first and foremost thing I'm looking for. I'm with you there. My thought runs to the home crowd, and mm-hmm. there have been some great ones inside the Coliseum. We've seen 90,000-plus. Uh, only one regular season win to reward them with, right? This year has been about a homecoming. And, and I think with these next three home games, it would be nice to see the Rams give their fan base that's waited so long to see them back in Southern California the opportunity to go home happy. Yeah. Just one and four at home in the regular season. Uh, it's time to turn that around. Games have been exciting, right? The home games Buffalo, have been entertaining. Carolina, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exciting. Yeah. I mean, you've had fun there. You're just not going home happy. So, yeah, I, I'm with you with that. Uh, send them home with a couple of victories. Now, it's not going to be easy with who's coming to town, and, and there's a lot attached to each team that's coming here, like Atlanta, uh, the top-scoring offense in the National Football League. Arizona is always a rivalry game. you got to go to Seattle, and then San Francisco shuts you out week one. So there's always something attached to those teams here. But, yeah, I, I'm with you, man. Look, those fans cheer their hearts out for this team. Uh, they want this team. To, they're living and dying with the Rams right now. So, Sending them home happy, I think, goes a long way. You talk about that Falcons offense. You know, they've scored 386 points. That's a franchise record for Atlanta through 13 games. They've only played 12. Wow. That's how far ahead of their pace they are offensively. So best offense in the league against right now statistically the worst offense in the league. Um, But I think Atlanta secondary gives Jared Goff a chance to have perhaps his best game yet. Uh, if they can shore up some protection and some other things. And can you put a lid on Julio Jones? Can you put a lid on that offense? Will I mean, Julio play? It'll be interesting to see. Do you think he's going to miss a game over a toe? I don't know. Toe toe sucks. No, it sounds like Sanu yeah. is the more likely receiver to maybe miss Sunday. Yeah. Uh, and especially given the division battle that they're in with Tampa Bay right now, I'm not sure they can afford to sit him. Uh, but it doesn't sound like he's 100%. No, but I, I do know who's definitely going to be there, Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, I've loved, I've, I've loved him. Liked his game since Boston College. It, it never seems like he's out of the play. I love it. Even even back then, it never seemed like he's out of the play. And you can see that now. So, look, making plays when it's there is one thing. Making plays when they're not, that means you're great. He's got a reputation for something, though. What's couple that? couple of things. Giving games away late. Giving seasons away late. Yes. And we saw a bit of that last week against Kansas City, losing from in front. Uh, he threw the pick six, and then he threw the pick two, right? right. The Eric Berry returning the two-point conversion for what proved to be the winning score. Are you subscribing to that? I mean, is there something – does he lack what we call the clutch gene? Uh, well, yeah, I, I would say so. I think he's the new Tony Romo in that respect. Um, you know, Dak Prescott is the starter, so you don't have Romo to kick around, but you do have Matt Ryan to kick around about how he finishes seasons. 
He's been stellar in their seven wins, and he's been pretty good in their five losses. Um, and look, the seasons that ended before the Super Bowl for the Falcons, they were pretty damn good, and so was he all year long. So I'm with you there. One or two bad plays does not make him a bad quarterback or not clutch. Really, I mean, because there's some games where they're it's it's been over since the first quarter, mm-hmm. and and you're just mopping up after that. So I think he's tremendous. Uh, same thing as with Brady and Breeze. If you don't make his day rough in the pocket, then he's going to light you up. Yeah, a lot to look forward to today on Rams All Access, including uh, thoughts from Trumaine Johnson. When you talk about Matt Ryan, we talk about Julio Jones. True says he's going to travel, that he's going to lock up one-on-one with number 11. In terms of storylines to watch in this back quarter of the season, you got to think that Trumaine Johnson playing on the franchise tag is a, is a leading candidate to be something to watch for the Los Angeles Rams. We also have an interview with LaMarcus Joyner. Boy, talk about one of the toughest members of this mob squad defense. Uh, some good thoughts from LaMarcus, and we'll hear from Jeff Fisher about facing Matt Ryan. But let's go back big picture a little bit here in segment number one. As a player, what are you dealing with emotionally this week, DeMarco, given where Los Angeles has been as a franchise over the last two weeks on and off the field? Uh, I'll relate it to a story I heard from an old coach. Some of the best stories you're ever going to hear are from guys on death row because they've accepted their fate. You know what I mean? Um, you know where it is. You've got four wins, and it's December. Uh, it's not looking good as far as postseason. So you can actually smile and go to work right now. Um, so what you have is – four more opportunities to play football Uh, for some guys on this football team for others in this league. So there are four more opportunities to go out there and line up and play one more time. So uh, guys like Dom Easley come to mind. Uh, You got four games left and a one year prove it deal. So look for him to not back off, actually increase what he's doing. So, um, you know, just down the stretch, I, I think I'd like to see some of the younger guys get in there. You know, I, I think you know where you are as far as tight end is concerned with guys like Lance Kendricks. Well, I'd like to see more of Higby. I'd like to see more of him in a inline blocker role. Even if he can't do it, even if he struggles, get out there and get some reps. What about Tamaric Hem- Hemingway, who's been inactive for a long stretch of the season? Now? Every time he gets off the bus, I, I, I say I can't wait to see him on the field because he's head and shoulders taller than most guys, and he's athletic. So another guy that's not getting the reps or a lot of game reps, why not see him? I mean, what's stopping you from doing that? If I wouldn't say you're playing for 2017 now, um, but in about another week or two, I think you will be. So why not start seeing those guys now? Yeah, I had the same thought about Sean Mannion, and the context that came up in is you may have heard that on Wednesday, Jared Goff was ill and did not practice, was not present at practice. Thursday's their off day. Um but Case Keenum stepped in to then run the offense, and Case has been the number 2 quarterback throughout this middle stretch of the season since he gave the reins over to Jared Goff. But at this point, when you're on the verge of being mathematically eliminated from playoff contention at 4-8, and eight, do we need to see Case Keenum take another snap in a Rams uniform? I mean, as much as yeah. we like and respect Case, if something were to happen whereby Jared Goff is not eligible to take every snap in these final four games... Wouldn't you rather see what you have in a future backup in Sean Mannion, perhaps? I would. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, you are not mathematically out of it just yet. Not not as of this moment. So I, I, I can still lean on the best chance to win scenario for, for seeing Case out there. But once, correct. once that part goes away, absolutely. If you expect Mannion to someday be a starter, I'd like to see him. If you expect him to be Jared Goff's main backup, these are critical reps for, for him at this point. If Goff is out or if he gets dinged, like you said, uh, loses a helmet. I'd like to see him go out there and see what he can give. 
what does Jared missing a midweek practice at this stage of his young development mean for Sunday? Uh, you know, um, I don't think you're going to change much game plan-wise if you're Rob Boris, so you've really only missed one day of work. Uh, when you come back, I don't think there's going to be something that they, they ran in practice that you don't know. It's going to be everything you know. The, the entire offense is tailored to you. So mm-hmm. um, I, I would say it's – I mean, you want to be out there for every single practice, but missing one's not going to hurt him. Yeah, did you see his eyes start to dip a little bit against the pass rush in New England? I mean, we've said that he stood in. He slid the pocket pretty well so far under duress. Did that start to break down with all the pressure the Patriots were bringing his way? Good question. Uh, yeah, man, I, really. But it was fair because the pressure was there. I, he didn't start seeing ghosts. Okay, so it was self-preservation. Yeah, I mean, like, oh, my God, it's scot-free off the edge. We missed that guy. Bang, let me protect myself. Okay. I mean, he took some hits, but, I mean, none where he didn't see it coming. Because I know the TV yeah. broadcast was, I think it was John Lynch, was was starting to pick that out, that perhaps he thought the eyes were dipping for the first time. Well, yeah, I mean, he's he's looking to see where the rush is coming from, but when it wasn't there, he's in the pocket, standing tall, throwing. He's expecting a clean pocket. When it wasn't, he's he's protecting himself. Yeah, that offensive line is one group we're going to talk about quite a bit because all five of those pieces up front are playing for their football futures in 2017, whether they be with the Rams or beyond. So we'll take our first break here on Rams All Access. Still ahead, we'll go inside the numbers, and we'll have an interview with LaMarcus Joyner, the nickelback for the Los Angeles Rams. It is the Rams and the Falcons this Sunday at the Coliseum here on ESPN LA 710. Coaches, we don't like making excuses. We just, you know, we just move on from week to week to week. We played the New England Patriots. You know, if you're going to have a chance to beat them, you need to go in there with all hands on deck. And so um, we're building this team. Uh, we've extended players. We're building this team for the future. We've made a commitment to our young quarterback, and he's playing now. So, you know, in my opinion, I think there's a lot of things to be excited about. You know, I, I, I fully expect us to finish strong. We're going to play hard. We're going to compete. We have challenges, you know, from a defensive standpoint, you know, with respect to the quarterbacks that we're playing. But I, I fully expect us to finish strong, and this team is very, very close. It's very close. We need some more offensive production. We hope in, in, in the very near future that's going to, you know, be satisfied by, by Jared. I think we have a group that's, that's capable of competing. I mean, we've been successful in division. That's where it starts. Uh, we've got three division games left, and, you know, we'll, we'll be able to have a, a better gauge, you know, when, when it's all said and done. L.A. head coach Jeff Fisher there on Monday recapping the loss in New England and spinning it forward to Week 14 in a contest against the Atlanta Falcons, saying that there are good things to look forward to in these final four games. We invite you to see more and sit closer with Vivid Seats, an official partner of the Los Angeles Rams. Visit vividseats.com slash rams today to reserve your official ticket travel and VIP tailgate package to the next game. Back here on Rams All Access here on ESPN LA 710 with DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long. You buying what Jeff Fisher is selling? Is this team closer than it appears right now after what you would call wide margins of defeat in New Orleans, in New England? Well, it's hard to to you know buy into that when how many yards did they have in the first half against New England? Like twenty seven. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, because if you go back and look at why you were off the field, so many three and outs, some of those had to do with drops. I mean, I think the offense functioned like it should have. You got the matchup you wanted. You got the ball out. You just didn't complete it. Um, so you're on the bench instead of driving, uh, having more plays. So, yeah, from a coach's perspective, I guess in a sunshine and lollipops way, yeah, you're close to staying on the field. Now, close to winning games, 
you got to put the ball in the box first before we get there. Drops, you mentioned, and that's probably the lasting memory from last Sunday for me, the number of players and then the sheer volume of drops. It felt like the preseason. We were having that conversation back in August. It came back in a bad way. And that kind of leads me to a, a big final month of the season, I think, for the receiving core of the Los Angeles Rams. The future at quarterback is now in place. Um, but Kenny Britt, is he going to be a Ram going forward? Uh, Brian Quick, is he on his last thread as a Ram uh, after being a high draft pick? He had a drop. Britt had a drop. Farrell Cooper was getting his chance. He dropped what could have been a third down conversion. Uh, one, where did those drops come from? Was that just a factor of the cold? Is there something about the way Jared Goff throws it that's different than Case Keenum? Edelman caught the ball pretty well. <laughs> I mean, they were on the same field. His hands were the same temperature yeah, as Sparrow's, for instance. Yeah, he caught yeah. the ball pretty good. Yeah, They've been catching from Tom Brady for uh, a very, very long time. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously there's a there's a different spin, there's a different velocity uh, between Jared and there is Case, but I, I think by now, start yeah. number three, that shouldn't be something that we're necessarily leaning on to excuse no. drops. And here's the other thing is the balls were caught. They were separated from the Rams receivers right. oftentimes. you got to put that away I mean, and the, secure it. The deflected Kendricks pick, that was through the hands. Yes, you got to come up with that. But some man. of the yeah. drops... You're the oldest guy on the field. you got to come up with yeah, that. Yeah, some of the drops were actually receptions that were essentially fumbled. Yes, knocked out of there. Uh, I, the recall is bad right now. Who's the receiver in New England with the uh, the, the, the elbow Chris brace Hogan? on? Not the the other one that had a pretty good game. Not Hogan. Not Amendola. Definitely not Amendola. Malcolm Mitchell. Malcolm the Mitchell. The Georgia rookie? Yes. Yeah. With an elbow brace on, still caught the ball. Okay, so what excuses do you have as a Ram receiver? You got you got me going on elbow brace, and I started to think Ronkowski. And the, <laughs> and the robo no. arm that he no, the, no. the Barry Bonds <laughs> right. elbow brace that he plays with. Yes. And I was like, I, Not I'm pretty sure he the didn't other guy. play. But, the other guy. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, look, there's no excuses for those. I mean, every pass, every reception, every play is critical for a struggling offense. Um, there are no my bads or do-overs at this point. It's either you do or you don't. And if you don't, you're going to lose, period. You're not good enough to overcome those. Yeah, unfortunately, it carried over into the running game as well and an all-too-familiar theme. Now we're talking about a season-low 11 carries for only 38 yards for Todd Gurley because you're playing from behind the whole game. Um, and Todd is just not right. Uh, whatever whatever is going on behind the scenes, uh, Todd is a shadow of what he was when he burst onto the scene in those handful of games. And there's now, there's now a, unfortunately, a larger sample size of underachieving than overachieving for Todd. Do you think you would ever abandon the run game and just say, we just can't do it, and open it up for Jared Goff? Start slinging it? I know you put him in harm's way, but he's already in harm's way. Is that much different than what they really did? I mean, I was actually gravitating the other direction in terms of... Pack it in and try to run it? Just being stubborn about it in the sense that, you know what, if the other offense runs away and hides from us this week, and if we can't keep up with Atlanta... So be it, but we're not going to put Jared in jeopardy. Take the air out of the and, ball. And we're, going, yeah. and we're going to see if we can't move the chains a couple of times on the ground and maybe give our defense a breather. But if you run it on first down and now it's second and ten and you run it again and now it's third and a mile, well, guess who's in peril? Jared. So Unless you run a draw. Unless you run a draw <laughs> or a screen to get out of there. But, uh, you know, I mean, at some point you have to get tired of run plays that last less than three seconds from snap to whistle. You know what I mean? I mean something's got to bounce out of there. Either a change in personnel or a change in philosophy, which I think both aren't going to happen. So maybe start throwing the ball a little bit more. Why not? You do have the number 1 pick as your quarterback. Yeah. Why not? 
I also think Tavon not playing had a hand in that, right? I mean, he is part of your running game. He's an extension of your running game, even if he catches slightly forward passes down the line of scrimmage. Uh, that was a piece that was missing as well. And so that's kind of where I go with, well, Jared was kind of put out there on an island and asked to do it himself, asked to keep up with the best who's ever played his position. Um, they couldn't against New England, and it was it was not a pretty loss. It was not uh, an enthusiastic showing from the Rams in New England, but here they come, home for three of their next four, uh, a chance to run through the division. And Jared Goff hasn't taken a snap against the NFC West yet. Uh, for, for whatever reason, two years in a row now, the non-division games have plagued the Los Angeles Rams. Same story as last year. What is behind that? Is it schematic? Is it game planning? Is it is it a familiarity issue? Gotta because be. the Falcons are the last team that they will play this season that's not from the NFC West. Got to be with Seattle. Um, you spent so much time trying to defend Marshawn Lynch and then Russell Wilson by extension that you know them, and you know them up front, and you there's a little secret deal with Pete Carroll and Jeff Fisher. You know, one doesn't like the other one to get the upper hand. So you'll probably prepare a little bit different for them and coach a little bit differently for, for that other opponent. Bruce Arians, the same thing. He pops off just like Rex Ryan does. So that gets under your skin. Um, San Francisco is San Francisco. There's a natural rivalry there. So does not shock me that this team performs better against division rivals than they do against everyone else quite a burden being placed on the defense given how few first downs uh the offense racked up in new england we will turn our attention to the defense next on rams all access a conversation with lamarcus joiners having a fine season battling through some injuries plus it could be the biggest test of the season for trumaine johnson going one-on-one with julio jones contracts at stake Ooh, for true and he's ready. We'll talk about that next on ESPN LA 710. He's playing really well. Uh, he's making all the throws. He's extending plays. He's got a really good group of people around him. The, they're well coached. I think the offensive line's playing really well. And he gets rid of the football. And uh, and then you know, Julio is as good as there is in the league right now. So it's, it'll be a great challenge for us. Jeff Fisher on the best offense in the National Football League. The Atlanta Falcons, number one in the NFL in terms of scoring and yards per play, number one in terms of passing offense. Matt Ryan, their quarterback, having the best year of his career, now in his ninth season out of Boston College. We spoke with LaMarcus Joyner, the nickelback for the Los Angeles Rams, about this run of quarterbacks. First it was Drew Brees, then Tom Brady. Up next, Matt Ryan. That's great for us, and that's great for me personally because I like competition. I mean, if you want to be a, be the best, you have to go against the best. When you go against guys like this stretch we've been going against mm-hmm. as a young guy in this league, you learn a lot. You yeah. know, the do's and the don'ts, so I'm excited. Can you give me, can you give our audience a sense of what the toll is mentally and physically to go on the road to make some of the trips that you guys have made and what a relief it is to know that you don't have to leave the time zone again in the final four games? I mean, as a professional, you have to be prepared for anything. I mean, for me, I'm up for any challenge, and we all do a good job with that with the new move here and with all the traveling i mean it's an adjustment but as a professional you have to expect those kind of things and just go with the blows and speaking of adjustments you know ej is kind of the latest to go down in your secondary you turn around and mike jordan's there raring to go against tom brady and the patriots uh, what'd you think of the job that he did in his debut i told him he did very well yeah. i mean we we do pretty good with the next man up philosophy coach williams installed other than us and if you're a guy that's on this 53 roster then you know that Mm-hmm. 
Uh, it seems like there are Florida State teammates of yours everywhere in this league. But here comes another one in Freeman, right? What's kind of your recollection of playing with him and winning the national championship with the now Falcons starting running back? I, mean, I think it's very special for me because we're from the same hometown. And then we went to the same college. No kidding. And we, we competed all the time in college and talked a lot of trash to each other. So it's going to be great mm-hmm. to see him, you know, on the other side of the yeah. white line, you know. Uh, prep teammates, middle school, high school, where did you guys connect along the way being kind of from the same hometown? You know, you just know about each other throughout Little League and high school. We never sure. played on the same team until college, but we always knew about each other because you hear about Miami so small, you hear about all the good players. So yeah. just watching each other, following each other, and then when we met up in college, get to share stories about what we heard about one another. Yeah. And then to play together and win a national championship, that was very special. Last thing, LaMarcus, we heard that uh, you caught a nickname uh, in Tallahassee, Frisbee Dog or something like that, because of the way that that you pursue the sport of football and just the profession that you've chosen. Tell us about that nickname, who gave it to you, and what does it mean to you? I mean, actually, it came from the um, NFL scouts. And they they told it to our, uh, Vic Valori, our uh, strength and conditioning head guy. And he started letting me know what they say. And they was like, you know, that kid, fine ball, see ball, he get ball, mm-hmm. wherever the ball is. And that's kind of been, been my mantra since literally, you know, I always want to be where the ball is, sure. whether I'm on offense or defense. Sir, well, we know the injuries that you've battled to be on the field every Sunday. We wish you the best of continued health and a good close to the season. Thank you. Freeman, man, he gets out of the well fast. When he makes his cuts, I mean, it, he, he chokes it down like every back has to. But when he's going back against the grain, I mean, he's at full speed within a step. Uh, that's, that's tough. He's not the biggest guy in the world. Nope. But, man, is he all of a sudden. I mean, all of a sudden he is through the hole and by it in a hurry. So it's a full quarter battle with him. Devontae Freeman, the third-year running back for the Atlanta Falcons. Good receiver, too. More than 300 yards receiving, a couple of scores out of the backfield. He's a guy who had to wait his time. As a rookie, had Steven Jackson and Jaquiz Rogers in front of him, split some carries there, but last year emerged as a second-team All-Pro, and Freeman having another great season, despite only one 100-yard rushing game. But, hey, he probably didn't get enough opportunities when you have the opportunity to throw to someone like Julio Jones. So for the challenge of LaMarcus and also Tremaine Johnson – it's the NFL's leading receiver coming to the Coliseum. Oh, no doubt. Um, and it's, like you said, it's 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 a tough deal because in zone coverage, you have to deal with Matt Ryan and his head and shoulder manipulation. He's going to move you to where he wants you to be, and then he's going to beat you to the spot with the football. And then in man coverage, you got your hands full with Julio Jones trying to track that guy. And when he's at full gallop, man, I mean, he's he's – like damn near a Clydesdale out there. So, And Matt Ryan throws it to your blind spot, and only Julio knows where the ball is. So it's a tough deal. This is where you have to depend on your rush up front to at least not let Matt Ryan throw it when he wants to and where he wants to because if not, he's not going to miss Julio. He's just not going to miss him on slants, on go routes, ins, outs, whatever. He's going to put the ball on the money. And like you said, Julio Jones is always thinking touchdown. Uh, when is the last time you've seen Julio Jones hit to where the defender was called for a defenseless receiver? <laughs> uh, really? Uh, he turns offensive so fast, he's not defenseless. So, And at 6'3", 220, it's tough to deliver a exactly. hit that's even, that even looks like it's flag-worthy. Right, exactly. So, I mean, any corner, any safety, anybody that lines up, even if it's in bracket coverage uh, and you're, you've got the underneath, you've still got problems trying to mirror what Matt, Matt Ryan's doing uh, in the pocket, and then you've got to deal with Julio Jones. Uh, and that's before he catches it. And that's only half the battle. Getting him on the ground after he catches it also is tough. 
He's about, tremendous. How about this one? In the Super Bowl era, only Randy Moss has more 100-yard receiving games in his first six seasons than does Julio Jones. <laughs> Jones is within two 100-yard receiving games of Randy Moss, who's a surefire Hall of Famer. Um, he is in a little bit of a touchdown drought, though, just one touchdown since week six. Remember that big 300-yard receiving game he had against Carolina week four? That certainly made headlines. But from the Rams' standpoint, this is a week where you might see true travel a little bit, as we say. And there have been a small selection of receivers on the Rams' schedule uh, that have brought number 22 to the other side of the field. Normally he plays a side, but Tremaine has followed, what, like Mike Evans and Brandon Marshall? Yeah. Um, in the game against the Jets, and so bigger know, guys, yeah, yeah. In the locker room this week, he spoke about the matchup with the NFL's leading receiver. Good matchup, man. He can do it all. Literally, he can do it all. Um, one of the best we're gonna face this year, and I can't wait. Does coverage ever dictate that you are with him no matter wherever he would go? That's the plan. That's the plan this week, man. Um, it's not about him, though. Uh, yeah, you know, everybody fell over there. Um, Talks to the Ryan. Um, you know, we got a, a heads up on the, you know, film today, and uh, they're a good squad, man. So, um, we got a work cut off first. What is it about Julio that makes him who he is? Uh, Julio Jones, man. Like I said, he can do it all. Literally, uh, his speed, um, catch great, um, physical at the point. Um, you know, he doesn't go down easy. So, uh, like I said, we got a work cut off first. Jermaine Johnson playing on the franchise tag this year. He's the only Rams corner with an interception. The other picks for the Rams this season belong to safeties, linebackers, Baron, Tree. Um, who else has one? Mo Alexander has one. So uh, the burden will rest on his shoulders against the best passing attack in the league. Yeah, you know, I was interested in that. Um, I wanted to know if he was going to accept that challenge because that tells me he's 100%. I mean, to go against Julio Jones, even if you're healthy, there's no guarantees. He's not going to put you on Sports Center, But if you're less than 100, it's almost assured. So mm-hmm. the fact that he wants the matchup and he's excited about it is good for Rams fans, good for the defense. I'm glad you said it that way because uh, True had some thoughts on what there is to play for, for himself and for the team as well. I've been through it. You know, it's not my first rodeo. Um, you got to be uh, stay positive, man, um, and finish strong. We're 4-8, yes, but um, you know these last three, four games, man, it's about pride. You know, um, if you got any manhood in there, you're going to see it these next four games. I like that. Yeah. You know, he's talking about guys around him. It's it's all about pride. It's all about manhood. I mean, you've heard people say, this is how you, we're going to figure out who loves football when you're four and eight, four and nine, finishing out the year. Well, it's true. You're going to find out who really loves to play this game just for the fact that you want to win, period. Not about money, not about Super Bowls, not about playoffs. Who just loves to play? Because that's what's left out there for you right now. So, And the only guys you have to really prove anything to is the guy right next to you in your locker. Guys like him. you know. So, look, uh, if, if you're going to dial it back or mail it in, they're going to know. And I think you're almost to the point to where that those people will start to be called out by name after games. So you might want to bring it on that side of the ball. I'll say this. The two gentlemen we've heard from in this segment, LaMarcus and True, I'd put those guys pretty high on that list of Rams we know love to play football. Because both of those guys have had reasons to sit, to take weeks off with injuries, race back. I'm still shocked that Tremaine is playing now with that injury. That he suffered late against Buffalo. I am surprised how fast he came back and how well he's played throughout. What would you call it, like X-Men-like recovery? Yeah, he's Super, a mutant. A mutant recovery. He's a mutant. Yeah, he's a Wolverine. But, and LaMarcus is just, he's indestructible. No matter what, he's going to line up and play. 
unless he really can't go. So, yeah, those two guys are definitely foxhole guys. The last two weeks, this defense has surrendered 75 combined points, most in a two-week stretch since 2012, and nearly 1,000 yards, most since 2008. I think New Orleans, you can kind of put on their shoulders. New England... That was a one-sided battle. Tough to defend when that. You're, when, yeah. you're, when you're basically getting three and outs to catch your oxygen and get back in there against Tom Brady. Who's going for a record? EJ goes down. <laughs> right. Uh, Mark Barron missed time. Yes. Um, Aaron Donald did not. You play. lost Aaron Donald for long stretches. Did not play a high snap count. Yes. What we've become accustomed to with him. Um, it did not look the way it was supposed to look on defense, the way it's been drawn up to look on defense. Uh, the way Jeff Fisher put it was to go win a game like that, you have to have all hands on deck. They did not have all hands on deck. And with Rob Quinn down, look, whatever the correlation is, he doesn't create all the turnovers. But when he's on the field, they certainly find the football a lot more on defense than when he's not, and he wasn't on Sunday. you you got to get rid of it quick because he's winning around the corner or he gets there and gets the ball out. Either way, he makes the defense better. When he's not there, you know what? We talked more about Quinn being out than Tavon being out. Yeah, I mean, I had to remind myself and remind the audience of that a few times on yeah. Sunday. Long stretches went by before we said, oh, and by the way, Farrell's out there returning this punt right. because Tavon's not. Yes, his impact is just immeasurable, Robert Quinn. So you need him in the lineup to make this defense have an edge to it. Yeah. Uh, no practice today, uh, so we'll have more on the injury report on Friday and get a better sense of who might be up for Week 14 against the Atlanta Falcons coming your way Sunday at the Coliseum. We'll break here on Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710. All right, back on Rams All Access, DeMarco and JB. Let's start with Seattle at Green Bay. Tough Seahawks Packers. You got right into it, so go ahead. Tough game, man. Um, it's still Aaron Rodgers, right? He's still playing. So I know Green Bay is not playing very well, but they can still get it right in a hurry. So, And how do you think Seattle's going to perform without Earl Thomas? What do, you, what do they look like without Earl Thomas? It's been a long time since anyone has had to find out the answer to that question. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's going to be some holes there and uh, some carryover not having that guy on the field and you're facing one of the better quarterbacks, a former MVP. Um, so no gimme for Seattle. Uh, you note the early game next Thursday, Rams going up to Seattle, but Seattle's going to be in Green Bay in the afternoon and in the really cold temperatures. They've got a chance to clinch the division with a win plus an Arizona loss or tie. We'll talk about the Cardinals matchup next, but let's assume for the time being that Seattle does not clinch this weekend. That means that on Thursday night in front of the national TV audience with the Rams in town, that could be the one that punches their ticket back to the postseason. Don't you almost want that? For storyline purposes, absolutely. Or just just for motivational and going purposes. back into the division, if you can yeah. if you can make Seattle sweat it out for another week, if you can take them into week sixteen. Yeah, I'm looking for any carrot out there to help motivate the team to play their best game. I don't know what it's going to do for the offense, but defensively speaking, I, I think they'd rise to the challenge of trying, like you said, to make Seattle sweat for another week. That would, of course, mean that Arizona does its part. They're in Miami to take on the Dolphins. Cardinals, Dolphins. Arizona 5-6-1, and one, and they make the trip across country. Uh, Miami came down to earth a little bit last week after their red-hot winning streak that came through Southern California, San Diego, and L.A. Uh, if you did the old Dan Deardorff and you put all 22 into a hat... How many Dolphins are you pulling out versus Cardinals? Players that you'd want, if you could pick from both like teams. Like you pick one team out of both teams' yeah. rosters? Yes. Uh, boy, there's a couple of really good defensive interior linemen there. So it'd be tough I'm to, taking Sue, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. But it'd be hard-pressed to pick wrong there. 
Um, I think the receiving core right now, Miami is a little bit younger, a little bit more lively, maybe. Um, I boy, how would you decide between those two running backs? Wow. Uh, you know, I think I'd take David Johnson yeah, and feel okay with it. He's playing at an MVP level, just not on the MVP team. But yeah. Jay Ajayi was, boy, as oh, good bringing as, it. As, as he got in the league there for a stretch. Um, how many total Dolphins? I'm partial to the Cardinals roster. I mean, yeah. I think there was a reason why they got picked as a Super Bowl contender this year. I think it's a perfect matchup because I don't think Arizona is as bad as their record, and I don't think Miami is as good as their yeah. record. So it, it's a great matchup. Um, you know, I, Arizona to me is out of. Are, they're not mathematically out of it. No, no, no. If the Rams are, they're not. No, and I, I wouldn't rule them out of a playoff berth. Just yet, even if they're sitting at six five and one, I still think there's something else out there, and they're too good to be below five hundred in December. Now, like we said, not even mathematically out of the NFC West quite yeah. yet, although it is teetering in Seattle's direction. All right, last one: a one and eleven San Francisco against the New York Jets. Jets Niners. I know the Niners' record looks like the worst in football west of Cleveland, but they're playing a little bit better, and the Jets. Holy smokes. Playing the other way. What went wrong on Monday? I have no idea. I don't know why that team is that bad. It, maybe it's just the quarterback position. But I would take Brandon Marshall in a heartbeat. If Nick Mangold was healthy, I would take him in a heartbeat. Anybody off their front seven, I would take. They're pretty damn good to be this bad and not playing as well as they could. So, you know, I, I know we're having our struggles here, and there's a lot of talk about Jeff Fisher. Same thing could be said in New York with the Jets and Todd Bowles. There's no reason this team should be this bad or or underperforming like they are right now. All right, that's our look around the NFC West, and this segment of Rams All Access is sponsored by Barbecues Galore, your local source for the best tailgating gear at the absolute lowest prices, guaranteed. Visit bbqgalore.com to find the store nearest you. Now, one of the things that I'm looking forward to most about these final four games, Sunday accepted, of course, is seeing Jared play the division for the first time. I mean, as the years go by, your stats against your opponents, the Seahawks and the Cardinals and the 49ers, start to become trends. And I would just love to see Jared and the Rams to put together the start of a nice trend against the teams that matter most and that they're going to see most going forward in Jared's career. For Jared, yeah, I'm with you. Take ownership of the offense, the football team. Become the leader. Why not? I mean, this will be your fourth start, fourth consecutive start, um, and you've shown improvement. So... You're going to be the guy. It's your job. Why not take ownership? And I think it's the best part of the schedule coming up because it's all the teams that you're going to see twice a year. It is. Um, so if you want to send a message to the Arizona Cardinals, to the Seattle Seahawks, and the San Francisco 49ers that things aren't going to be the same from here on out, you've got a great opportunity. And to get warmed up for the NFC West, you got an Atlanta team that's going to make you score, but they also have a secondary that's last in the NFL against the pass, 281 yards per game allowed. So there might be some opportunities there for Jared to, to hit some balls, assuming he's feeling well. Yeah, and, and misnomer. Uh, some people think that Atlanta can't rush the passer. Vic Be- oh, no, Beasley no, no, no. has ten and a half sacks. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, you've got problems on both edges with Freeney and, Be- and Beasley coming off the edge. So they can get to you. Their secondary has – they've given up some plays, so there will be some opportunities there. But – Make no mistake, they can get to Jared Goff just like New England did. I don't mean this sarcastically, flippantly. I'm just saying, if you're on a 53-man roster, right now you've got a chance to you, get to Jared Goff. That's a very good point. In, until this offensive line pins it down and proves that personnel 
maybe is not essential yeah. <laughs> across from them, if you're on an NFL roster, you got a chance to get to Jerry. You're a tape nerd like I am. You love to watch football. Yeah. Did New England ever look that dominant to you? What, what going you, into that game? <laughs> but uh, granted, they got there from both sides. Like, yeah. like Long eventually got there from the left side, from the blind side, right? But yes. like, what was it about the front side of that pass rush attack, Jared's offensive right side, that you think New England saw in film and and found holes? I in? think there were tendencies there. You mentioned Patricia. the The guy is a relentless New England's defensive coordinator. Defensive coordinator. Yeah. He prepares like nobody's business. So there was something there that he keyed on. Sometimes he just got beat physically. Sometimes you just sent protection the wrong way, and they, they got home with a, with a blitz. Something that should not have happened. Just mistakes uh, in protecting Jared Goff. But I would expect the same sort of game plan out of the next four opponents. They're going to bring it until you stop it. Yeah, and I think back to New Orleans now that we're talking about. I mean, the, the play that Jared fumbled on, that came from pressure from his front side as well. So, uh, look, no one ex- is exempt from criticism right now in terms of run blocking and pass protection. It's been kind of the bane of the offense's existence for, for the entire season. But I'm just curious. I'll say it. Havenstein has a target on his back. Okay. Yeah. Because he's a, he's a road-grading, run-blocking tackle, right? If you're a left defensive end outside linebacker and you're watching tape, you think you have a pigeon. You think you have a win. You think you have a guy that can put you in the Pro Bowl. And until you stop that, it's going to keep happening. Now they're confident against you coming into the game. They, they, they expect to beat you from snap number one. Usually you have to earn that during a game, but now they're walking in thinking they can win. So you're going to have to fight your way out of that hole. Is there something Jared can shift, can adjust to help with protection on that side? Well, I mean, I think that all starts now via game planning. And install. Yeah, and installation and, and knowing where your strengths and weaknesses are. I think New England and New Orleans kind of pointed some things out that maybe you didn't know. Uh, they may have outlined a weakness that you didn't know was there, but now it's being exploited. I just got to find a way to get back to being two-dimensional because when you fall behind as they have against New Orleans, against New England, and you take Todd out of the equation, yeah. that's where not only do you lack production, but you also put your number one overall draft pick in some jeopardy physically going down the stretch here. So, all right, uh, inside the numbers coming up next, and uh, is there is there a shortage of targets perhaps? This week's statistic deals with that against one of the NFL's best, the Atlanta offense. Coming back for our final segment on ESPN LA 710. Inside the numbers this week, we actually kind of go outside the numbers in terms of pass receiving threats for the Falcons and the Rams. They'll meet at the Coliseum this Sunday, week 14. 11 different Atlanta players have caught a touchdown this season. That's tied for the most in the NFL. So Matt Ryan really distributing the football. As for Los Angeles, only four Rams players have caught scores this year that, not surprisingly, given what we've been talking about during this hour and all season, is the fewest number of receiving touchdowns by players on an NFL roster. Britt, Tavon, Kendricks? Yep. Who's the fourth? One more time for me. Britt, Tavon, Kendricks, and Brian Quick. Brian Quick. Thank you very much. Okay. So give me someone outside of that uh, that group of four that you want to see catch a touchdown. Tremaine pass. Johnson. <laughs> pick six that counts right bradley marquez on a block punt scoop and score come on does that count no it has to be a receiving oh, a touchdown receiver thrown okay. by a Rams thrown by jared goff or somebody on offense um although if you want to put true on that side of the football and see what he can do playing two ways got the size um i'll you know what i'll go with a wild card i'll go with farrell cooper okay farrell cooper on a uh a catch and carry 
where he breaks a few tackles and yards after catch and puts one in the box. Do you remember that day, that time during training camp where he was the Rams' third receiver? Yes, that was a long time ago. How much did that shoulder injury suffered after the tremendous catch in the preseason at Denver set him back, derail that projected rookie season? Must have been a lot um, because I know if you miss time, uh, you miss reps. And rookies, it's tough for those guys to understand the playbook anyway. So if you miss time, it's only going to make it that much harder to get on the field. But physically, you see his ability. You you mentioned he had his opportunities and He's made some catches. He he missed another, but at some point he's going to get his hands on the football in the right spot to where he can do something after the catch, and that's where I can see him dragging a few guys into the end zone, a la Kenny Britt on the score in New England. I would like to put Tyler Higby in this conversation in terms of getting off the schneid, in terms of touchdown receptions, but I think it's got to be in an angle situation. It's got to be almost like we saw the throw to Kenny Britt last week, kind of a, a goal line boot, something where – you know, he's dragging across the end zone. I don't think he's necessarily going to hit a long one like Lance has. Um, but getting into the red zone has been a difficulty for this Rams offense and cashing in, so I'm not sure he's going to get the opportunities. I might go with Todd Gurley because his stated goal this season was to get his first career receiving touchdown, and uh, he hasn't really knocked on that door just yet. No. What distance would you put on that receiving touchdown? Less than 20, more than 20? I mean, I could I could see it on a swing pass Me too. in the red zone. Oh, in the red zone? Oh, I thought you meant like first play from scrimmage. He catches it on the outside. You outflank the defense, and he makes a few guys miss down the field. And it's off to the races. Kind of like I could the first see play one. at New Orleans. Yes. Just... I could see either one happening. I mean, why wouldn't you use a guy like that out of the backfield? You want him in as many loose plays as you can get because in the open field, he's dynamic. I thought you might give me like a, a tackle eligible or something like no. that. You know, like you know how they brought in Andrew Donnell as a tackle eligible. I, I don't want to see a big guy catch a touchdown pass. But that's my favorite part of watching practice is seeing those guys go through their pass catching drills. Fat guy touchdowns. You didn't. Come think, on. You said it, not me. Fat guy touchdowns. That's what they are. Come on now. I mean, Greg's got some skill out there at left tackle. He right. Can, he can run a route. Not necessarily a fat guy. It's a big guy's dream. But come on, I, I'd rather the skill position guys catch the touchdowns. Well, it's fun to think about, and look, we're going to have some fun on Sunday. We know yes. this season is not where any of us want it to we be. We are going to have fun. Yeah, we you, always you, do. Me, Mo, yeah. <laughs> you know, we've we've had we've had yes. some good shows. Uh, really have enjoyed this season with you guys. And look, there's some great moments ahead. And these final four games, we're going to capture them for you. Uh, what are you looking forward to most about reporting for duty on Sunday against Atlanta? Especially going up to Seattle when it gets cold. I love to hear Maurice Jones-Drew complain about how cold it is. That's fun for me. I love that. Thought he was a tough guy. No, but just looking for Jared Goff to improve. Um, this is a whole lot of fun watching a guy get his first start and then get better, play in and play out, and you can see it happening right before your eyes. So, yeah, just watching that and um, seeing him survive and being as tough as he is, that's only going to make him and the team better in the future. I'll say this. He made a start at home. It was his debut against the Miami Dolphins, but this feels like his real first start in a lot of ways in the Coliseum because of the weather and the way that game played out. I mean, he just didn't get his chances, right? I mean, Jared played and ran that day and ran well. But to me, this feels like a second homecoming, a a chance for the home crowd to see number 16 in person now as the true operator of this offense. What if he wins? If the Rams win and it's a shootout and he beats Matt Ryan in a legit way, I just outscore him. What does that say for the future? I mean, when you're looking for silver linings, that that's what's out there. Is, yeah. is if you could leave this season with one kind of taste in your mouth, it's that, hey, we picked the right guy. Right. And he and he's come on. 
Yeah, like you see Hecker twice the whole game. I mean, I know it sounds funny, right? But you, you don't punt. You, you you score on almost every possession. Johnny's wearing my wallet out. I, I told you. <laughs> That's right. I told yeah. you I pledged for every punt uh, inside the twenty for Waterboys.org last week, right? You're right. He put a handful inside the twenty. <laughs> For a good cause. <laughs> it's it's great cause. Right. But, uh, it might come at the expense of some of my Christmas yes. shopping. I'd like him to have a day off at least one time this year. Yeah. All right. So another pro bowler punter, but we've talked plenty about that. DeMarco, have a great rest of your week. We you will too. see you on Sunday at the Coliseum. Looking forward to talking to all of you then on ESPN LA 710.